bad. Has now been around for three seasons and coaches everywhere are saving time and being more efficient when it comes to scout cards. Coach Robinson from Texas says, the thing I most enjoy is the ease of access to all the scout cards and how I can draw on them if I need to make any changes. Every coach that uses it says that it is so great to use. If you and your staff are tired of the old ways of preparing and using scout cards, check out thecoachpad.com to start enjoying scout team and making the 2023 season better than ever. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Uh, today we have the head football coach at York High School in Virginia, Coach Doug Herrera. Uh, coach, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Coach. No problem. No problem, Coach. Um, it's good to have you on. Um, but like, like I can do with most of my guests, how do you end up as the head football coach at uh, York High School? So my coaching career started um, in New Hampshire, actually. Uh, my wife and I uh, met up there and got married up there. And uh, my first six years of coaching were in New Hampshire, um, where I worked through the JV ranks at a couple of schools and then became the defensive coordinator at a school for four years. Um, and uh, we we went to a state semifinal game and a state championship game in two of those four years. Uh, and uh, by the way, that school ran the double wing. They ran the Hugh Wyatt version of the double wing right off the video series. Um, and uh, we were highly successful uh, with that offense up there. That was a lot of fun. Um, and then my wife and I decided it was time to move to Virginia. Uh, we were both alums of Liberty University in Virginia. And we decided to get out of that cold, uh, get somewhere where they had sweet tea and warmer weather. Uh, and we came down and uh, spent my first four years in Virginia at a school called Essex High School uh, that was highly successful. It was a smaller school, but they were very successful in football. Um, really enjoyed my time there. That was typical small town America football. Loved it. Um, and I. Uh, you know, during that time, I was starting to really think about wanting to become a head coach and kind of started peeking around throughout the state um, and literally drove by York High School one day going to visit family. Um, my dad is actually from not far from this area, but we only came back for vacations. I didn't know much about this area, but I drove by the school one day and thought to myself, that looks like a cool place. And uh, irony is that a month later, the position opened up. Uh, went after it, and I am now entering my 17th season uh, as the head football coach at York High School. So been in the same place. I've only been the head coach in one place. I have all intent to retire as the head coach at York High School. I don't have any plans to go anywhere else. Uh, so it's been a good run, um, and uh, we've had plenty of winning seasons, had plenty of uh, playoff runs um, during my time. Uh, I've outlasted all the other previous head coaches uh, at York High School, so I, I'm the winningest coach at, at the school um, by quite a bit, but a lot of that just has to do with I've been there twice as long as most of all the other coaches were, so that's going to happen. <laughs> well, I get it, Coach. I get it. Yeah. Um, and, and, like, obviously you run the single wing now, but, like, before we get to that part, like, why did you, I mean, you ha obviously have experience coaching in and being around the double wing. Why did you transition away from that? And why do you run the single wing there instead of the double wing? Um, obviously, sure. they're like cousins of each other. But, I mean, there's obviously some differences. 
I think I have to give a little bit of history for this. So the double wing was in New Hampshire. When I got to Essex High School, he was he was a wing T. And then in my second year, we trans transitioned to a shotgun sort of wing T. Um and and we we spread them out and we had a stud tailback. So we could do a lot of stuff with that team. Um and then when I got to York, uh, believe it or not, my whole goal in life was to run Navy's Navy spread option. And uh, we did that for one year, um, but I had shotgun elements in it. And then after that year, I actually moved to defensive coordinator, handed the offense over to one of my assistant coaches for the next 12 years. And during that 12-year time, we were much more uh, shotgun spread. Uh, we would we would employ a tight end. Um, you know, a lot of gap down backer uh, – philosophies and how we ran things but we were definitely a shotgun team spreading teams out um and, and over time there was just elements of that that was starting to bother me um and, and what i'm finding is it, it has some things to do with my personality too uh i'm very much system oriented um and how i think how my how my brain works um and so when you get into elements like double wing, single wing, whatever, those are system-based offenses. Um, and what we were doing with our shotgun over time was we were buying in heavy to the RPO stuff. And there was just games where I'm sitting on the sideline and this has nothing to do with, with my assistant coach or coaches. They were doing their job and they were great, but we'd have a third and one and the quarterback sees the, the pass part of the RPO and he's pulling the ball in a third and one and throwing incomplete passes and, you know, I don't have a whole lot of hair to start with, but I was pulling what was left of it out and just losing my mind. Um, and in 2016, we we had a crash and burn year uh, where we went one and nine after like making the playoff six years in a row. A lot of elements that caused that um, great bunch of kids, but they weren't the most athletic. And that's when I decided at that point, we're going to start doing something. And I actually saw the single wing in a state championship game. Uh, was immersed and just loved watching that. And then I accidentally came across the Apopka single wing highlights on YouTube with uh, Coach Darlington down there and immediately fell in love with it. And so what we did for the next couple of years was we actually were still a spread team, but we had a single wing package that we would put in for goal line short yardage. And there was even some games where the single wing was used more just because it was working better at that particular time or whatever. Uh, and then my OC got a head coaching position that he well-deserved um, and he moved on. And at that point, I, I, I ditched all the old stuff and we, we went hardcore Apopka style single wing. Um, in 2019, it was a hundred percent transition. Uh, since then regular season, if you don't count the, the COVID debacle regular season, we are 27 and four since then. If you count the COVID with a four-game COVID year, we're 20, 28 and seven, I think it is. So it's working. Um, and it, it, it once again, it turns into the fact that it's, ba it's system-based. Um, I like to tell people I like to have the ability to run deliberate power at people, uh, which means, you know, more guys than they have at the point of attack. And that's really what this thing morphed into. Um and I, I still have option in my head. I've always been kind of an option guy. So we do run some option out of the single wing. We can talk about that if we want to. Um, 
But the bottom line is I like snapping the ball to the ball carrier in most plays, and we're going. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I mean, we'll, we'll come back to the single wing here in a second. But, like, why – I mean, you said your goal is always run the Navy option. Why was your love there for the Navy option? Well, growing up – all right, so, okay, I'm a child of the 80s in high school. Uh, so I grew up watching boatloads of Nebraska, uh, Oklahoma – um, those guys running the eye bone and the wishbone. Uh, I just fell in love with the option as a kid and always liked it, you know, and then you had the 1990s where kind of the option went bye-bye except for maybe air force. Um, and then when the spread option started coming out, the shotgun, you know, with the read, the quarterback read and stuff like that in the late nineties. Oh my gosh. I jumped on that real hard, but, uh, I've always been a, a big fan of academy football, all three of them. I've been to games at all three places, outstanding place to watch a game. But that offense to me is just amazing to watch, and it's amazing to be a part of. Um, so, you know, here's what here's what we found out. I had a very good quarterback, but uh, I realized pretty quickly I'm going to have to have a very good quarterback every year. <laughs> And, um, you know, just like with the with the shotgun spread, you know, in the RPO based offense, we, we were blessed with some good quarterbacks, but we had one back in 2011 that was just ridiculous. And we really built the offense around what he could do. And what we found in the next five or six years was he was kind of a, a special one. Uh, the others couldn't quite do it like he did. And I, I just became more immersed in the idea of not being quarterback based. I wanted to be system slash team based. And that's what, you know, the single wing kind of offers and the double wing and, and, you know, even the Navy option really. Yeah. No, I get coach. Um, kind of, I mean, I mean, I think I'm kind of with you there. I, I have, I think two of the three Academy shirts. I mean, we were talking yeah. a little bit like I'm wearing a Virginia shirt now. I have like 30 different college shirts. I have two yeah. of them. Oddly, I don't have a Navy one. I have all of them. I, I just, Either I haven't been given one or I maybe socks. Literally, my aunt got me because I wear all kinds of weird socks too, but Navy sure. you know, um, socks and I have those. So that's cool. I get that. And I love, and like, like, unfortunately, Ken is no longer at Navy. I loved listening to him and watching everything. That is what that is. But yep. Uh, and Coach Munkin, yep. I love Coach Munkin as well. I mean, absolutely. Some of his family. And I've, I've talked to, have I talked to us? I've talked to, I've had a member of Navy and Army on here. So, okay. um, Air Force is the one that still eluded me, um, but is what it is. Um, but yeah, like I'm with you. And I mean, I love the option as well. But to your point, there's there's a variety of factors that kind of go into it. Um, I want to go back to your double wing experience real quick because, like yeah. you, I have experience in the double wing. Yeah, um, I spent. I mean, the first year we kind of ran like a weird shotgun version of it. But the following year, we were at full go under center. Yeah. Ran for almost 5,000 yards, like yep. great offense. Um, I have all kinds of stuff on my YouTube channel about the double wing, both from double wing coaches, Phil, right. all kinds of stuff. Um, kind of, I mean, for you, what, I mean, what do you think from your experience? Because you said you guys had a lot of success running it. Yeah. Uh, what, I mean, obviously, kids, I mean, you got good kids, you can run about any offense. I mean, I think we're all good, pretty good on that. But what, what kind of made that offense work for you guys? Why do you think the double wing, if done correctly, can be so successful? Oh, it's really simple. Uh, I, I think 
that the whole scheme itself is simplistic in how it works. You know, you're what you, you, you're basically a railroad in the front side. You pull in the backside guys around to add to the, add to the wall and, you know, you're just going. And so what, what happened with us was um, when I went to interview for the defensive coordinator position uh, at that school, the head coach was a tried and true wing T guy. And I had just finished Valentin's book. So we're talking 1998, you know, about a year after Jerry Valentin's book came out and we're just chatting. I was like, Hey, you ever heard of this stuff? And I drew up basically the superpower and he's just sitting there. What is this? Well, next thing you know, he's got the Hugh Wyatt video series and you're teaching four plays. That's really what it is. It's four plays. And in doing so, you know, it, it's, it, it was easy to teach. We preached it tried and true. We taught the blocking right down to, to the technique, exactly how he taught it. We called the cadence exactly the same way. Everything was exactly the same. And so we, we had a video system that we could actually put in front of the kids. And that helped too. But really, it, it breaks down to it was more guys at the point of attack. It's a ball control style offense. So me being a defensive coordinator, obviously, I loved it. Um, you know, there was a lot of times our defense wasn't on the field. And, and, you know, we kind of have our single wing trying to do the same thing. So when you control the ball and, you know, when you're getting multiple first downs in a game, not necessarily touchdowns, but first downs, you own that game. And, and that's really what happened. And that's why we were pretty successful with it. Now, obviously, you like we just kind of said at the beginning, you're single wing. And we'll kind of now kind of start hitting on some of that. Yeah. Uh, I, for some reason, I think – your part of the country, the single wing has a little niche. Like I say, I see all the time the Minnesota, Michigan, um, Wisconsin area yep. has that weird power T double wing. Group. Mm -hmm. Like they're both pretty prevalent. Parts of Ohio have some of the double wing stuff. The power T's kind of left the area, but yep. it's there. I like when I talk to single wing guys. A lot of them are in the Virginia, the Carolina area. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I'll start there. Why do you think the single wing is so prevalent in your part of the country um, compared to, say, instead of a bunch of people running the spread or true wing tee or even the option? It's a good question. Yeah, I – so we, we can talk that the single wing is prevalent in Virginia. I would estimate of 340 teams or 340 schools in the state, maybe eight of us run it. So it's not as much as you think, but that's still prevalent compared to other states. Um, Virginia is an interesting state, and I don't want to get real detailed into this, but Virginia basically has three parts. you got Northern Virginia, which is all the D.C. people. you got Southwest Virginia, which is literally a bunch of country people out there. Um, and then you have where we are in the Tidewater, which is just a mixed bag of everything with a heavy military influence. And so as a result, you see all kinds of stuff. So like we don't have conferences here. We have what's called we, we, we call them districts. So like the district I play in and coach in, believe it or not, is heavy wing tee oriented. Um, but if you cross the bridge down here and go to Virginia Beach um, and there, well, there's like 30 schools down there, they're all spread. Every one of them. So, like, when one of them come up to play us in the playoffs, they, they don't know what they're looking at. And it, and it gets really interesting for us in the playoffs. Um, 
You know, we, we've beaten a couple of schools in the past few years who were easily more athletic than we were, than we were um, faster, bigger, stronger, whatever. And we were still able to handle them because they just didn't know what to do. Um, so I, I don't know that it's a, a prevalence thing so much in the South that there are some tried and true guys down here who've been doing it forever, like Louisa high school, you know, Stanton river got really good at it. They're the ones that I saw um, and, and kind of caught my attention, you know, um, but we kind of still feel like almost like Darlington down in Florida where he was kind of the guy running it. Um, we, I, I'll say this in, in the seven years that we've used it, at least as a little bit, I have yet to face a team that runs it. I have not faced one team yet. Now I know the day is coming, um, but we haven't actually had to defend it. Thank God. Um, uh, so that's kind of where we are with that. Yeah, I get it. Like, and part is like, cause I've talked to a couple people throughout there who either see it or, um, have coached in it in Virginia. And then obviously I know uh coach Teague just got hired at a school in Virginia and he ran oh, yeah. he ran it forever down south. Yeah. So that's why I think like when I hear it, like obviously Apaka is, is one of the big ones that everybody yep. knows like when you hear single wing. Yep. Teague is another one. But then after that I start thinking I just go straight to Virginia and like the some of the Carolina schools that run yep. either the single wing or the shotgun double wing, which really is like a a a redheaded stepchild cousin of the single wing because it's the shotgun double wing is trying to combine essentially the single wing and the other center double wing. Correct. Kind of a, a happy medium marriage. And it's, yeah, you're, it, it, I get arguments with all the time. If that's single wing, double, wing, like that's a whole nerd conversation. Um, but you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I don't mean to interrupt you here, but the, you're absolutely correct. And like here, we're, while we're single wing, we still will spread. But there's two things that make me call us a single wing team. One, the big difference between a double wing and single wing is we, we, we've got that blocking back, you know, the, the sniffer back. That's a whole different element of, of that from the, from the guy sitting behind the quarterback. It, it changes things, gives me an extra blocker at all times. But then the, the other thing with it is we're always unbalanced by nature. So, you know, my tight end, I never cover my tight end up. He's always on the weak side, but he, for all intents and purposes, he's just another tackle that we can throw to. So that's kind of where the difference is. We want to be unbalanced where the, where the double wing lives in being balanced. And, you know, that's where things can, can get interesting. I love the fact that being unbalanced teams have to decide, all right, who's the true center now? Are we going to move to the next guy? Are we going to stay where we were? Um, but we are almost never a double tight single wing. I do that wide receiver flex thing, you know, about two or three yards flex with a wing back inside of them that creates that, that gap that they have to decide what they're going to do with too. I love that. Yeah. And, and my, my next question is um, obvious. I, I think a lot of the wing T single wing, double wing, shotgun, double wing power T crew get a, Get a lot there's a lot of misconceptions just like kind of like the spread too the spread is totally you're in the spread you're just gonna throw 85 times which is not true right right and the same thing for the single wing and double wing is oh you're just gonna run the ball like what what especially when you're talking to kids about coming out um what misconceptions do you have to deal with or parents or really just anybody when you talk to them about your offense what misconceptions do you usually have to deal with 
not many now, but early on when we first employed it, um, the misconception that we don't have any wide receivers. Um, and we're not, you know, since we're not spread out, we're not going to throw the football. Um, and what I can tell you is after spending all these years with receivers sitting out in space, you know, trips, doubles, whatever you want to call it, any of those elements, there, there's more, there's more flexibility in the past game from the single wing than there ever was in the spread. I know that sounds weird, especially in play action, but I feel like we're way more versatile with what we can do with the offense now than we could conventionally spread out. Um, and so, you know, we may not throw the ball as much as some people, we still throw it a good 10 times a game. Um, you know, there's a lot of spread teams that throw less than that, but when we throw, you know, and the single wing coaches will say the same, when we're throw, when we throw, we're, we're throwing the score, you know, in other words, we've drawn the defense and now we're going to go over the top, just like the option teams do and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's either that or, you know, we, we've gotten pretty good at hitting the flats and, and doing some things uh, that way to get us a short guaranteed pass that we can turn into something. Um, so it, it, the misconceptions were were there a little bit early on, but we were winning. Um, and so I haven't had to answer a whole lot to it. Um, and and I've been pretty fortunate in that regard. <laughs> good. Now, now, like, and I'll ask this because there's a lot of rabbit holes you can down. But for, for people who might, and like, obviously, by the time this comes out, we'll probably be midway through the fall. But sure. as people look into maybe after the season or people start getting jobs or various want to make changes, mm -hmm. how, how do you recommend people go about? Obviously, Teague's got some of his stuff on youtube and there and he's probably i think he's got a couple of coaches choice or something mm -hmm. besides that what resources do you i mean obviously people can contact you but where do you go for resources for the single wing and or when you started it what how do you suggest people go about that aspect of okay i want to look at this to possibly install this all right for me personally it was darlington all the way he has a whole video series and i went straight through the video series um, then in 2018, my wife and I took a trip to Florida. I went down and visited with him one afternoon, watched a summer practice and a summer workout, which we bought into the whole workout system they have too. Uh, it, it's awesome. But um, that's where I went. But since then, uh, there is a single wing fraternity out there. They, they call them the single wing conclave. And each year they do uh, a clinic. Um, you know, a symposium, they call it. Um, I spoke at the one back in 2020, four days before COVID hit. Thank God we it was four days before. <laughs> I didn't want to get caught in Pennsylvania. But um, there's, a, there's a fraternity that Teague is a big part of now. Um, and each year they, they do a conclave. So I've spoken twice at those now. Um, and the guy that runs that has got a, a boatload of videos uh, that he puts on, on the internet for us to be able to have access to. You can find some things on YouTube if you just type it in. Um, you know, it's funny. If you type in single wing, it starts off with that Apopka single wing highlight film. That's 13 minutes of magic. Uh, and that goes back to when Darlington first ran it. I mean, it wasn't even in his best years. His his best years, 
or 13 and 14, those were some scary looking teams. If you look back at them now, um, that, that was the proof in the pudding of giving them some athletes and put them in the single wing and see what it looks like then. It's that's, that's mind boggling. Um, so for me, it's all about Darlington, but there are just like every other style of offense. There's that short list of gurus that you can go through and you can run it their way or whatever. Um, you know, Teague has, has kind of stepped up doing his video stuff. Uh, there's a guy out in Iowa, Bob Howard, who's who's won a million games out there doing his version. And that's the thing that's interesting is we can call it single wing all day, but all of us kind of have our own version of it. Um, you know, even though I'm, I'm a Darlington disciple, there's still elements of what I do that's mine. It's not his. Matter of fact, he 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 texted me back in the in the winter and he goes hey check out the play i ran and scored a touchdown in the playoffs and, he, and he's like i stole it from you and i look at the play and i was like i got rick darlington taking stuff from me that's crazy that that's ridiculous um but sure enough it, it, it happened so okay that uh, okay so then building off that what sets yours do you at least from your perspective apart from say rick darlington or a coach teague or anybody else, like I said, if everybody's got a little bit of different elements, what kind of sets your single wing apart from others? Uh, it's extremely close to Darlington, but I I do a little more option than he does. Um, if Rick wants to go option, he gets out of it and goes more spread or I or whatever. That's what he wants to do. Um, but um, <sighs> There, there, there's there's ways that he'll run a certain play that I might run it slightly different, but when it's all said and done, it's the same verbiage, it's the same plays. Um, I a lot of our past plays I kind of came up with myself. Um, I I didn't get them from him, but he's got eight gazillion past plays that I'll probably never even get my hands on. It's crazy what he has. So the fact that we're not double tight and the fact that we are not a we have the spin stunt you know the spinner stuff but we don't really do it much um we kind of run our things a little differently uh if i want to play act i have the ability to call just a simple number that causes my running back and quarterback to to run you know do the old like a a cross thing like you see in the shotgun all the time for the play action element um that i don't think rick has that call but he has his own version of all that so that's kind of where we are. We're more we're more deliberate than a lot of the single wings that have all this spinner stuff um, and and get really tricky. We're more there. We're coming right here. What are you going to do about it? That that type of thing. Okay. Now, uh, now I'm curious because you obviously have mentioned you're a little different. There's some things you do differently and adding option. I, I got two main questions left for you. Is one, what is your typical install process or schedule or however you want to call it look like obviously you have your core that you're going to install what does that kind of look like and then some of the other stuff you do when do you decide to sprinkle it on from year to year um what's kind of an iffy play like i mean you obviously i mean like we talked a little bit wing t before we started um whereas i might one year be really um let's just say down heavy Next year, we might not be because of a variety of factors or jet, the difference between Jet and Rocket or Buck, Belt. Like, you get my point. Like, what what are the core you install every year? What's that process look like? And then what are your kind of fringe and what kind of determines that? 
All right. So it changes a little bit each year based on experience and who we've got, just like anybody else. Um, I will tell you, I learned something from the guys from Stanton River. Uh, There's two brothers, Tyler Ferris and Jay Ferris. And by the way, both of them, especially Tyler, he's a he's a state champion West Virginia head coach now, uh, running the single wing. He's he to me, he's one of the gurus. But he taught me this thing he calls DKPs, which stands for down, kick out, pull. And all it is is in our offense, there's nine base running plays, you know, from from the strong side to the weak side. Um, and so when we do our install, we it all starts and ends with the nine base plays and then the primary play actions off of those, which is only a handful of play actions. Um, I teach my play actions in a way that our quarterbacks actually have to do the correct look in the play action. So like, for instance, we have a jump pass. They got to practice the jump pass. We have the old Tebow where you lean over the, you know, look like you're going to run the ball, lean, stand up. We practice that. And that's how we kind of go about things. We put them in circuits for that stuff. Uh, the the other thing with the base nine, these DKPs, all it is is kind of like what you start practice with. It's not against air, but it's it's typically 15 minutes against a defense with bags, and they run in different. We'll have two or three defenses going, usually two, and they'll run in a couple of different defensive sets. And we're just going to run like maybe the power and the sweep to the strong side for 15 minutes straight. Then the next day, it's all the interior stuff. And then the third day, it's all the backside, the counters and all the backside sweeps and that sort of thing. But we'll stay one side, one area for the entire 15 minutes. So they'll get massive amount of reps against what we hope would be a lot of defensive sets lined up in the correct spot. And we're hitting bags. Um and, you know, and the communication comes into play with that. The, the guys ought to know what they're doing. Uh, footwork ought to be done right. Um, all those types of things. So that's we really go heavy on that in the first week. And then we don't go away from that. We we, we open every practice with that throughout the season, um, minus the walkthrough day. Um, and then as we're working through the first week, I'll start to trickle in the option. Um, and And for us, it's it's speed option. I had a quarterback last year that could run the veer. We had our own version of the veer. Um, you know, you got me going the other day listening to these option guys. I think I'm going to go outside veer this year to the to my two tackle side. Uh, I, I messed around with that literally two days ago and loved it. So that's probably happening. You're welcome. But but it was I forget what coach it was. It was one of those dudes down in South Carolina that you were talking to. And you had asked him, how do you coach up the read? And he said that he doesn't. The quarterback nine times out of 10 already knows what he's going to do. And I was like, that's the answer. We're not on the option team 100%. Let's let the quarterback play the game. Let him do his thing. Let him hand it off for a little bit. And then now we move on. But understand – when I say quarterback, our single wing, like Apopka, has our guys staggered. So the center snaps the ball down the middle. We don't have snap points like some of those single wing teams. He snaps down the middle every time, and one of my two guys steps in and gets it. But we have the ability to take our fullback slash quarterback and slide him behind center and then take the A back and sidecar him either side. And so that's where the option comes in. Um, you know, that's where we have the ability to do that type of stuff. 
We also, we're messing right now with midline a little bit. We've run midline before, but right now we're messing with it in that um, our our ISO play could be an A-gap or B-gap play, and we're dumb enough to call it as it is sometimes. Our blocking back makes the call, and he leads through. But we're fooling around with the idea of let's still run it, but it's now a handoff scenario, and the quarterback pre-snap reads – Where's that D tackle? Is he in a three like he's like we want him? Or is he in a one or is he shaded on the center? And all it does, it predetermines the running back's going to be the A gap runner, the quarterback's going to be the B gap runner. And so we're going to have them cross face, but we're still blocking it. We're we're thinking maybe that'll freeze the linebacker a little bit. So, you know, because ISO to us is part the Red Sea, run the run the blocking back through, run the quarterback through. We're going to ISO the backer and we're just getting at him. Well, why not have that scenario and still block the guy or have a call where we don't block that three technique and we'll go ahead and read it as the season progresses. That's kind of what we're messing with a little bit right now. Okay. And then my last question is what is, cause I'm always curious about how people approach practice. What is a typical practice for offense look like for you? Yep. Especially early on, like obviously in season's always a little different. You're shortening stuff. Yeah, tuning stuff like I'm talking earlier, maybe not day one, but like day five, like just something early on in the summer or two days. Um, what is your typical a typical offensive practice look like for you? Well, so uh, in the summer when we have our workouts, you know, we add a little practice element to it where we actually practice practicing. That's really what it breaks down to. Um, so when we get into August, we feel like we're kind of rolling, but. Uh, my, my typical practice looks like this. Um, we always have pre-practice uh, and we're going to concentrate more on our pre-practice this year with our quarterbacks and receivers getting their throwing done during that time. And then uh, right after we, either before or after we stretch, we usually do about 10 minutes on air. Uh, then we'll hit those DKPs I talked about. Um, and and then, you know, we're your typical Indies group team element type team. But honestly, being a system-based offense, Indies works great for the O-line. You got to have that. But for the backfield guys and, and the school guys in general, it's, we're part of a package. So a lot of our Indies are kind of tied into our plays. And, and what I'm concentrating on even more this year is uh, when I go Indies with the running backs and quarterbacks, um, I'm going to build drills into the play itself. So, for instance, if we run a sweep, um they're gonna they're gonna catch the snap they got to practice that they're gonna run their swoop they're gonna read their block but then as they make their cut and get downfield they're gonna maybe there's a stiff arm involved uh if we run power they got to climb a couple of bags once they get through the hole maybe they have to do a, a shuffle step um if we run iso you know you got to go right or left based on that iso block and so we're building in drills to the actual place so we literally we would call it the iso drill or the the name of our play um, which is just a single digit number and the drills are all based in, we run our counter. We're going to practice the handoffs every single time, you know, for our, our handoff counter, but we're also going to practice once he's gotten the ball, there's two different ways he could go. One is a complete cutback. Another one, he's got to climb bags or whatever. So we're going to tie in all of our individual drills into the actual play itself. Um, I think I heard a podcast that you did a couple of years ago with a guy who was saying pretty much the same thing. Oh, it, you know what? It was the Army fullback coach yep. who was talking about that. 
And I was like, yeah, that's what we're trying to do more. But that's kind of what it looks like. And when we go group, okay, it's, it's once again, it's running plays to perfection. Uh, I can tell you when I was in that double wing offense in New Hampshire, I don't know if we ever did. The old line did some, they did some indies, obviously. The rest of us, I don't think there was ever indies. It was always just running the plays. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, people were sitting there probably pulling their hair out listening to what I'm saying with that. But for us, that's what works. Yeah. So, Coach, I trust me, I did it like we bird dogged the crap out of stuff. That's that's our that's our. Mm-hmm. I mean, my kids had to get, get annoyed at it sometimes. So what yep. we done this summer, and part of it they'd never done it before. But like we just, I've been so meticulous with footwork. It was yeah. group pod, indie. Like a lot of our stuff before we go full speed is two or three reps of bird dogging. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it is what it is. Like I said, everybody's got a different way to do it, but it's always you might be able to steal something. How mommy tells that story all the time about how they went to recruit the kicker down in Florida. It was really an excuse to go watch. I forget who practiced. Yeah. And they took away their the um the two minute drill that they did and turned it into just pretty much their offense. And like I said, wow. you can steal something from somebody's practice. And I think that's the that's why I like ask. I don't care what offense you run, there might be something in there, a way you do it, a drill, something you do really well that people can steal. Um, sure. Because again, practice is, I mean, we're one of the few sports that it's 90% practice, 10% games. That's correct. Whereas you look at some of these other sports, they might have two practices in a week and play three games in a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So kind of like where we're, we're four to five practices every week, one game. That's right. So uh, like I said, I think that's why it's so structurally important for us. Um, coaches, uh, one, give coach a follow on Twitter. Um, all that stuff will be in the bio. Um, uh, sh- I think if I miss anything else before I do the rest of my spiel, I don't think so. So like I said, give them a um, follow on Twitter. All that stuff will be in there. Um, like, share, subscribe, all that lovely jazz. Um, that stuff does help people find the videos, especially um, commenting and liking the videos. Um, that way people can find this and anything else we do pretty easily. Um Check out our sponsor, CoachPad. Um, they're finishing up our second year as a sponsor for us, so I appreciate all that. Um, and I think that's about it. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate you. And that's another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast.